Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Arizona Opera Behind the Scenes. I'm Cassie Robel, the Director of Education and Community Engagement. And I'm Kathleen Trott, the Shop Manager for the Marlou Allen and Scott Stallard Costume Artisan Workshop. Thank you all for joining us today. In this podcast series, we're going to introduce you to all the departments and people that are necessary to produce the operas you enjoy. In this episode, we are joined by Alice Fredrickson, the costume designer for the Copper Queen. So let's start with our trivia from last episode. The golden idol from Raiders of the Lost Ark was also used in which two of the following movies? It was Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Guardians of the Galaxy, James Bond Casino Royale, and Spy Kids 2. And the answers were Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Spy Kids 2, The Island of Lost Dreams. And our second trivia was the boot that Charlie Chaplin eats in The Gold Rush was made from what? Licorice, jerky, or marzipan? And it was licorice. And he actually gave himself insulin shock because he ate so much of it. He did 63 takes of that scene over three days. Thank you so much for being with us here today, Alice. Hi, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> We're glad we finally got it scheduled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure we've announced that you would be joining us on possibly more A than previous. one of yeah. these and then had to reschedule. So. We're That's so, how this year's been. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. is, but we're finally doing it. We're making a movie. We are, <laughs> and it is exciting. So exciting. So before we talk too much, I just wanted to start off by saying, so you're the costume designer of the Copper Queen, and we all know that Kathleen exists as the costume manager. So what is your role as the costume designer for Copper Queen? What is that? My role is to... um come up with the the ideas the visuals that you see um and then Kathleen and her team executes it so I do um a lot of research I talk to the director I uh read um and listen to the music and I really like conceptualize the characters and I think about color and I think about texture um, and I think about all the changes and everything visually you see. I made some kind of decision on it with the director and then I say, Kathleen, here's what I want to do and her excellent team helps me execute it. So it's like from my head to this team and then we all like work together as you do in theater and opera and now film uh, to do this. So you touched on it a little bit, but can you walk us through the timeline of a production? And I know the Copper Queen has been through a couple pauses, if you will, but pretending that there were no pauses, Mm -hmm. what is your general timeline? I think something that I have learned is that the timeline is much longer than a lot of people think it is. So, So when I come to you and say, hey, we're producing the Copper Queen. Do you want to be the costume designer? And you say, yes. What's your timeline Yeah, how far out from our opening is the average? And I know it's different, but... 
I think it was, I think it's like a year to a year and a half. Um, and to like from when I am asked to do it to opening night is a year to a year and a half. This process has been a little longer because of the postponements and changing. But Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which makes it that much more exciting because yeah. I am like mm-hmm. chomping at the bit to see things and we I think we all are at this yeah point. absolutely <laughs> so can you talk to us a little bit about your design process you very briefly said that you work with the director so you're primarily is it something that the director comes to you about and says here are my ideas are you posing your ideas to the director what's your design process like what's well, different with every director and I think that 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 process between the designer and the director can oftentimes dictate how well, um, how successful the the ideas are. Because because um, my favorite process is the director comes with me, kind of explains their overall ideas, um, kind of like uh, has general directions of themes that they're interested in and. Um, and things that they want to focus on, or we just, yeah, kind of talk through um, the piece. And then I go off and I study the piece myself and I do research on the period, um, the, the, each character, you know, depending on what that is. And also just like conceptual ideas. And it depends on like, if the show is more realism versus more conceptual um and then it is kind of a back and forth so then I go away I do my research then I bring my visual research to the director and we kind of talk it through and they say oh I'm really interested in this thing let's go this direction and then it's just like fine tunes from there and so I just have like notebooks and pages and documents of uh things that I've like I was gonna say like thrown out ideas but everything informs everything else and as I was coming here I'm here in person because we're having fittings our first like big set of fittings for Copper Queen and so I was on the plane like looking through my research to prepare and I was looking at all of those drafts of things and I was like wow (laughs) there were so many and just like and just playing with color and with you know, all types of things. Um, and uh, yeah, and all of that informs what you see on stage. I think of it a lot of times it's like a collage of, of all the different ideas and then they get synthesized in a beautiful way, hopefully. Cool. That's very cool. Have you ever designed for film before? No. You haven't? No, I haven't. That's awesome. So you signed on... B- prior to it becoming a film correct correct yes and I designed it prior to film yes I designed it for the stage so what what have you had to do to now adapt it to to film versus stage well I had to like (laughs) take my eye and like zoom it all the way in because when because if you think about where the audience's eye is um in in an opera house and what they can see and what they're visually taking in 
um, it's it's really it's like this proscenium, this kind of like picture window view, right? And and most of the time they're seeing the whole person, right? And most of the time and and you're probably not seeing the details of the buttons, let's say. Um, and and so I designed it for that view, number one. And so I zoomed in and I started thinking about all those details, which like I love, like I love working with like craftspeople on like something that I'm really interested in is like getting the realism of the people and the place and the time, which a lot of it is like how clothes wear are, are like are worn through and like what that says about the character or because things are very typically not very often off the rack right and these clothes tell a story about the character that's why they're there and that's my job is not like fashion it's storytelling and that and all those details are part of it so that got me really excited to be able to tell like the story of these characters in a slightly different way um, so that was exciting and then the other thing that I did was <laughs> I threw out all of my uh secret tricks of <laughs> that I incorporated into the costumes for quick changes because for Copper Queen especially um the scenes are there's like multiple days um and you wouldn't know that the day changes because the set doesn't change I mean the lighting will change you know but really for the audience's eye those clothes changing are important and for storytelling, right? But the stage is not filmed, <laughs> so right. it's really hard. And I don't, you know, to I can't I can't have the singer, you know, changing their whole costume. There's not time, right? Especially in like a corseted period. <laughs> um, and so I did a lot of thinking, like uh, about how to add and subtract pieces, especially from the main character so that um, we would get the storytelling and the time change into that. But anyway, but I threw all that out. And, um, <laughs> and uh, then I got to add pieces and, and actually change um, like full looks if I wanted. Um, and then sometimes it didn't serve the story, so I didn't. Um, I was just gonna ask, did you, are, do you have more looks now that it's for film? Yes. Mm -hmm. Kathleen is nodding a yeah. lot that oh, yeah, there's yeah. more. <laughs> There's not a lot more. Yeah. It's well, just like there were a couple moments, like Alice said, where Julia, out of the nature of doing it in front of the audience, there wasn't time for her to be wearing something completely different because she goes from one scene to the next in seconds, essentially. But it's a different day. Yeah. So so uh, that happens a lot for us, for the 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 weight of the timeline falls on costumes in a lot of stage shows because they can't change the set and when you ch you can like go oh the sun set with the lights and it rose again and the sunset and it rose again but the thing that really helps audience really quickly to see that time has passed is physically different clothes on a body different yeah, yeah. and so, so she was able to add in a couple completely different looks to help express that 
which then also solved some of our we did a whole bunch of like all right well if we rig this piece this way because it has to go on and off on stage but in the camera situation you just cut right or you make the camera be so that way they can't we can see the clothes going on and off but we don't see the actual closure or the rigging or whatever so it solved some of those problems which was sort of offsetting the now we're adding a whole bunch of detail but we don't have to put hidden zippers in things anymore because you shouldn't have a zipper because right. it wouldn't have been zippered but then also she has minutes hours whatever to change, change clothes, clothes because the camera stops recording and then we move along that's really fascinating so then there are different ways to express all these ideas um what what format did you end up sort of using to give the costume shop the ideas in your brain did you draw it did you collage it was it just research did you have someone else draw it because all of those different ways are all valid ways of expressing because the design isn't actually the piece of art on the paper it's the thing in as it exists right so how did you go about for this process and in general do you use a similar process expressing your mental ideas to the shop that's building them got it um so like i said i do a lot of visual research and um i over the past five to seven years um have been really utilizing technology um to uh to organize those ideas and so i have a lot of visual research i organize it into folders on my computer and then i make s different collages um on uh this app called procreate or um, and also photoshop um, and so then like I make a collage for each character um, that has and then I also make a collage for each like conceptual idea. So like for the Copper Queen, it's set in Bisbee, Arizona. And when I was um, listening to the piece and reading the libretto, um, the, the place was very important to the piece to me um and so uh i did a lot of research on i got a lot of conceptual research like from arizona the landscape also i did a lot of research about the mines um and so um and like the minerals that are there so i had like a minerals collage and so that informs um like textures and that informs color and like for when i talk to um the like painter dyer who does all the distressing that like informs those and also it's also important to me to not be to, to have that conceptual research to not be literal um so that i'm not like see these distressed pair of pants make them look exactly like this right because all of the people in the costume shop are all artists in their own right and they and like I want their expertise to come through and so just like the just like in the director and I's process I don't want them to be like 
And in this scene, she wears a green dress that's right. made out of velvet. And, you know, and then I'm like, well, you don't need me. Yeah, then you I did here? it. Yeah. <laughs> right. We all sometimes have to work with those. But yeah. well, right, but, but ideal. Well, and, and I don't think that it is the ideal for the audience. Right. I think that all of that is felt. And, and, and I feel that in, in the audience. Like, I don't know if you all have seen Hamilton on like the Disney Plus and like maybe a lot of listeners have because that's like accessible theater and like I I didn't see it in theater or I I saw it on Disney Plus in the middle of the pandemic or when it came out and I was like a great feeling a lot of feelings because I miss the theater in the midst of a pandemic but and like and 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 when it like I've been reading about the process and, and I know the like costume designer Paul Towswell he's amazing or I know of his work and like all the people that worked on that show, like you can tell that there was so much collaboration in that show to make it that good. It's not like an accident, right? Or like th- there's there are reasons why. And as like a theater and opera maker, like I, that's what I see is yeah. there's like a certain freedom and a certain respect for all of those artists um that gives them the feeling of freedom to be like hey what if i try this and what if i do this um which is what i want and so what i'm trying to get i feel like i'm not answering your question (laughs) um but when i'm trying to um you know make those collages so i make the collages okay so i do that part and then i from all of that research i then um draw um, each look uh, on, and I use my iPad at this point, just because there's just so much freedom, and I can like change colors really quickly. I can, it's mobile. I can, and that's, I don't know. I made that. A lot of people I know, you know, still use like markers, and I think that that's amazing. It just happened for me, and because research is so important to me, I can drop that research right in. And so, like, if you see my collages, I do, like, a clean version, which is, like, just the, um, like, just the drawing. But then I also put a lot of research and a lot of notes um, for, like, the conversations with the shops that are, like, shop copies. But I find, I think those are interesting because they show the process and they show the thought. Um, and there are, there's so many things that I'm trying to like keep in my head and express. It's also helpful to like have them in a one place, right? How did you end up doing this? Like, did you always know you wanted to be a costume designer? Where are you from? What, what brought you to our industry and then to us at Arizona Opera? Um, lots of winding roads, I feel like, (laughs) um, Yep. So I grew up in Oklahoma and Oklahoma City Um, and uh, Oklahoma City University has like a really good um, musical theater program. And so I grew up like going to those shows and going to see like tours when they came through and um, and uh, but I didn't do theater. I was or like I wasn't like a theater kid necessarily. uh but I like played I keep finding these pictures of like my I have three sisters and I keep finding these pictures of us playing dress up and like I'm like there's my origin story I don't know (laughs) lots of kids play dress up but I just think it is 
like it is grown up dress up what I do and it is also totally not mm-hmm. it's both and so um and then I went to school um in Illinois I went to college in Illinois at this school called Knox College and it's a small liberal arts school it's about um 1100 1200 students um and I was studying different things and I had a friend who was in the theater program and I was like you know always wanted to work in the costume shop and like I hear that there are people that work in there and like and maybe even like and like I know that like some of them get paid but like I don't even like I just want to volunteer and and he was like yeah go here you like you know here's the woman's name da 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 and I and he kind of had to like push me through the door um because I was like oh I don't know um and then um I met the the director of the program uh Margot Shively who uh, became my mentor eventually. But anyway, I just like, they were, she was like, yeah, you can volunteer. So make this, um, like little project. I forgot what it was. And then at the end of a couple of weeks, she like took me aside and she was like, Hey, like we have an opening for like, <laughs> this a is where you belong. <laughs> well, and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're going to pay me to do this thing that I love. And, and, you know, like I realized later that like I was absolutely a hands-on kid and I just like didn't know it because I would go to these classes all day and sit and listen and then from three to six I would be in the costume shop um, with all of these people that also and we were making things like we were doing this process because Margot really led us uh, more than any like friends that I've talked to like she like there was no process of like well you have to be this age to design there were always students making like student shows and she was like oh you should design that and so the process I just explained like I did that really just like at a more rudimentary level um and so like I really got to have a hands-on experience of what that was um which was really important and I figured out that that was a job and actually like after so after that I moved to Minneapolis and I got into that theater scene and that theater scene I love because it's like a bunch of people that are like, hey, like I have this crazy idea. Like, do you want to do this thing? And so when I first got there, I was like, I really got to just do a bunch of weird stuff, like in like church basement type thing or like, and you know, like, and we have a couple hundred dollars. What can you do? And I was right. like, I can go to the thrift store. Don't worry. I got my paints, you know, and I really got to experiment. And then um, eventually I started working as an assistant at the Guthrie Theater, which is like the big regional theater in Minneapolis with like a big costume shop. Like, oh my gosh, amazing, like drapers and craftspeople, just like awesome. Just like, and like what Kathleen does in her shop, like similar. And I got to work really closely with them and learn from them. And like, it was a huge operation, just like it is here. And I was like, oh, this is like the costume shop in college, just on a bigger level, Right. right? And so like seeing that, and seeing and I just have so much like admiration and respect and like love for um the people that I work with and like their craft and just like watching someone make a suit in a week (laughs) and like and 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 watching like the precision and watching um yeah just like the creativity it's amazing and so then I just kept designing and eventually um I 
yeah, started designing for opera. And I met Crystal, the director of the Copper Queen, and she asked me to do this. So what is the craziest, weirdest, coolest thing you have ever been involved in? I know. Trick question. In my life? In your anything, or yeah. A, like a, something that I've designed? Yeah, like either, yes, like a design or the, the coolest design you've ever done, the weirdest design, like, um, I mean, that's the... Those are my favorite designs. Like the crazy conceptual designs are my favorite. They like, well, I stare at my ceiling a lot while I'm doing them. I'm like, how how am I going to solve this? (laughs) Um, But probably, so actually the last show I, I opened before COVID hit was January, 2020. And it was a, the House of Bernarda Alba, um, which is a Spanish play that um, was that uh, was made into a musical in like the early 2000s, and it has like a lot of flamenco in it. It's really beautiful, um, but it it really doesn't stop. Like it just kind of like goes from scene to scene, and there's this one, um, and it takes place in these. Um, this woman's house with her daughters and there's this one scene where she is supposed to like be in the bath and like she's a really hard taskmaster woman and so this is like a intimate scene where she's you know kind of like talking about her or singing about her feelings for the first time and um there's like we were like, there's no time to have a bath. That's not what we want. It needs to be this conceptual moment. What should we do? You know, and like we talked on and on about it. And finally, I was just doing research and I can't, it's like one of those things where I can't remember how I stumbled on this. But, um, because we were talking about how they're like, we were talking about like fabric and like, could it move and like how and like, what would it be like curtains that come down? Because like the set designer was like, maybe I'll do it, you know, the, Anyway, so I found these photos of uh, basically they're like parachutes wrapped around women's waists in the mountains. And then like it was just like all of this billowing fabric. And so I was like, okay, you guys, here's what we should do. (laughs) I'm going to buy a like 20 foot parachute and make it into a dress. And then we're going to use magnets to... um, to uh like make it look like it's bustled so when she comes out you just like think it's a dress and then as she's singing like the daughters can like pull on it and it expands and then it like takes up the entire stage um and then like and then yeah in the end they did that and then like they did a whole like dance with it I mean like it's not like this, but if you would visualize like kind of like what you did in gym class, like with the parachute and then you like go under it and like, and all of that. So it was like that. Um, but like when I brought it to like, uh, like they were like, yeah, that's amazing. Then I brought it to the, um, to the woman who was building it. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And she was like, what? (laughs) You want me to what? And I was like, well, I bought this parachute. It's going to be great. And we really had to work together to figure out how to make this unconventional material into a dress and make it, it's like one of those things where when it works seamlessly, you have no idea, but like to make it so that the magnets stayed 
up when you wanted them to, but weren't so magnetic that it, they couldn't be pulled apart when you needed to. Yep. Um, it was, yeah, just like an artistic and conceptual, technically difficult thing. But then like when it worked, like with the lighting and all of that, it was like Having Cinderella magic, magic dress flashbacks we did our um last education show that was cut we only did three not even three months of it because of the pandemic um kathleen designed a cinderella dress that she's wearing and it pulls um it's a bag and cinderella when she gets getting ready for the ball her hands actually go up into the bag and then the fairy pulls the bag down around her and it transforms she's now in this beautiful dress and there was lots of trial and error i think we tried magnets at one point maybe a magnet snaps it we got it to work but it's that moment of like oh god like is this gonna work and then when it does it is the coolest thing so taking the idea and yep. making yeah because yeah, you yeah. know in your head as yep. the designer that's the thing is that like and like what we were talking about about process and me communicating my ideas to the shop like I have it in my head the full moment yeah right yep. and like I know that like it will be this magic moment that the scene needs for the storytelling if we can make it work right and then when you are able to solve it and then everyone in the room gets that feeling you're like Yes. Like mm -hmm. this is and like this is what it's about, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have like a favorite era or style that you really like designing for? I did two shows back to back that were like late forties, early fifties. I really like yeah, like yes, I like eras, but like this show we set it in um post-war Italy and like so then I did a lot of research about specifically post-war clothing in Italy which like that was so fun because that was like the beginning of like or, and, and Italy has so much already like all the craft that goes on really like the shoes and like the bags with like yeah. the different like textures and straws and leathers and like that was really f well Italy itself has such a history of clothing at its basis that then to right and and craft and tech yeah. yes and so all of that and so like to bring in those details um was really fun and so um I like connecting era to like and you know like a dream project I still can't think but like it would be something that was like not like American or or English, like it wouldn't be Anglo, like it would be something, like I just love doing, you don't often see specificity in like Italian quote of something, yeah. something of, of like a certain period. Um, and so like that was really fun, fun to do. Awesome. Well, I think we are going to jump into our trivia questions. I participate as well. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then and you're going to give the answers next afterwards. time. Afterwards. Yeah. So yeah. when we're done recording, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So our questions. When Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, was touring, its costumes went through about how much glitter per month in re-glitterizing? Oh, my gosh. One to two pounds two to three pounds or three to five pounds which glitter weighs nothing so 
think about. <laughs> I've, it's always unfair because Kathleen themes these questions towards our guests. I and try. I'm always like, I don't know. <laughs> that's what I, I would say most. That's what I was just going to say. My guess is totally going to be three to five pounds just because I feel like if this is a trivia question, it's got to be a crazy answer. I hope that's true. Although I hope it's not true. Like for <laughs> that's the so much glitter for the yeah for the performers' uh, uh, sake. Well, and sweeping the the oh crew God. that has to sweep the stage after the show because glitter gets everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But okay. that's why I think I still stick to three to five. Three to I five. wish it wasn't okay. that, but that's what I think. It <laughs> is. Yep. Okay, yep. great. One of the heaviest costumes slash puppets because they're both in the Lion King is Pumbaa, a zebra, or Timon? Scott wants to say Pumbaa just because he's big. But then the other part of me, because it's a trivia question, wants to say I'm Timon. Because <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I'm being tricked. And it's <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Because, like, Timon is, like, on his, like, his whole character. Alice is making very small hand motions. He's bigger than the motions that you just made. I was being the I was the, being the performer the who was stick. like holding. Yeah. It's on, he's on a stick, right? Mm. Or he's on like a. It was so he long ago that I saw. He stands in it. front of the performer. Oh, so he's oh. like because uh-huh. I I was gonna say I say either the zebra or well, and the zebras. I not to try to you know sway, but just also the zebras are a front and behind each performer. Like one performer stands in the middle. So the head of the zebra and the front legs are in front and the back of the zebra and the back legs are behind the performer. Pumbaa is a similar situation, right? Where his face is in front of and Timon stands in front of the performer. In The Lion King, we, we have to play fast and loose with sizes, right? Like it's not the same as in the cartoon because if that was the case we would never see timon as the audience right exactly i say timon that's what i because i think that the zebra is also like structurally it's not solid as i in my head you're trying to remember yeah i'm trying to remember (laughs) i think it's there's like it's more of like a sculpture out of like pieces of is what I'm thinking. I think I'm going with Timon as well. Okay. With my second answer being Pumbaa. Okay. <laughs> Rank them. Half points. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you had a crazy schedule today, so I'm lucky that uh, we were able to fit you in here. Squeezed and it in. Um, I hope everyone enjoys learning a little bit of, more about you and what you're doing for the copper queen yeah thanks for taking the time to chat with us alice yeah thanks for having me this was fun good my first podcast oh your first podcast that's exciting Mm -hmm. cool hopefully this won't be the last (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much we'll be releasing a new behind the scenes podcast every month so make sure you check our website azopera.org follow us where facebook instagram and twitter And you should join our email list so you can receive notifications about all of our upcoming events that you don't want to miss. Arizona Opera Behind the Scenes is made possible by our lead digital sponsors for the 2021 season, Ron and Kay McDougall. 
This program is also part of the Arizona Opera Next Gen Initiative that encompasses a wide variety of programs that go beyond the opera stage to develop the next generation of opera artists, audiences, and philanthropists. To learn more about the programs that are part of Arizona Opera Next Gen, please visit azopera.org and click Next Gen Initiative. These programs are made possible through the support of Karen Fruin, Roma Whitkoff, Jeanette J. Siegel, the Valentine Family Foundation, APS, and Jody Pelusi. This podcast is produced by its hosts with editing and music composition by Sean Mallow.